Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. So tell me what's been going on with you, man, lately. Uh, I mean, we met at, at QuickBox. You were kind enough to let us do a search for you uh, there. RiderFlex did a search for you way back when we were first getting started. Gosh, we've, you know, we've placed like 2,000 people now. I think when we did work for QuickBox, we, I don't even know. It was probably like the first 20. Early days. <laughs> Early days, yeah. Yeah, so I know I know we met back then. Um, but tell me what's what's been going on with Steven. Tell me. Give me the, give me the update. Well, you know, it's, there's certainly a, a, a transitional period, we'll call it that, in, in my life. Um, but first and foremost, I want to say, you know, thank you for the work you guys did for us. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I really appreciate, you know, the candidates you brought us. And, um, and I also appreciate the content that you provide on a very consistent basis. And I try to devour as much as I can. I'm just trying to keep up, but uh, I really appreciate what you do. And um, I, you know, I, I, I spent the first, you know, 25 years of my life building brands. So I was more on the, you know, consumer packaged good health and wellness building brands, and, um, you know, when I, I took my last company public and, and um, or previous branded company rather public, and then we merged with another public company and then exited. And it was sort of a serendipitous time of, of four other individuals that I knew from business had all just ended their latest venture as well. So, so we, we went out to dinner and actually just formulated this idea of building a, a third-party fulfillment center that, that catered to e-commerce companies. And, um, you know, the timing couldn't have been any better. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we, yes. <laughs> I mean, it just couldn't have been any better. So, yeah. um, you know, and my partners were incredible. We all had a very specific skill set and we trusted each other implicitly. And we just didn't play in each other's sandbox. We just knew that when we had our weekly meeting, we were going to turn around and do what we said and we come back next week and we will have done what we said we were going to do. And we trusted each other and the timing of the market and the way we, you know, differentiated the company in terms of how we manage clients and, and fulfillment and specialized on e-commerce. And it just, our, we, we, we basically achieved our five-year plan in about two. So That's you cool. met us kind of, kind of right in the middle there when we were transitioning from, Hey, you know, Steve, we need a really professional experienced human resources person. And you helped us find that, right? That was the first sort of executive type search, you know, cause we were all, if you will, executives ourselves. And right. so that was the first position we needed to hire, you know, be big believer in hiring your weaknesses. And so this was an area where we were weak. We had high turnover. We had, um, you know, it's a, it's a entry level position that requires a lot of work to bring people in, get them trained and, and you have a, high attrition. And so we needed someone with large, larger skill set. Um, and, you know, that, that was, you know, one of the big first hires that we made at QuickBox. And so 
you know, we grew very rapidly. Um, we we ended up bringing in a, a private equity firm at the oh, end of you 2019. Did. Yes. Okay. Okay. So right. we went through a transaction um, where uh, there was a number of things that happened. So uh, in between there was we we had built up to three uh, uh, different locations. So Denver was our headquarters. We had a second location in Atlanta, which was larger and had more capabilities than Denver um, to handle other types of businesses like subscription boxes become very popular where you might have like 3 million boxes that all have the same exact thing in them. Well, that requires a different setup than what we had in Denver. So a lot of robotics and machinery and things. And, and then we added a third facility up in wow. Wayne, New Jersey. So that was to help us. Our, our strategic vision was to always, you know, no pun intended here, but box in the United States with <laughs> QuickBox was, was you needed to be within at least you know, two days or less of 99% of the homes in America. And the reason is because Amazon really had set that bar for consumer expectation. Like I want it now, but now really meant two days or less. So in order to achieve that, you have to have those geographic locations. Um, so we brought in a private equity firm. Um, we we, we uh, sold the company. Um, we maintained um, ourselves as executives to help transition the company uh, through that uh, transaction. And then um, I was the CEO for 18 months, and then we did a search for a replacement CEO. And during that time, I had also looked at, um, you know, really building out the rest of the company in terms of its ability to operate without being dependent upon me. Now, okay. I certainly wasn't the end all, but a lot of entrepreneurs get themselves stuck in that place where they, they let so much of the company become dependent on them and that makes them yes. feel good. But yeah. then when you try to go through a transaction and sell the company, <laughs> the, the buyers say, oh, well, you're the glue, so you can't leave, mm -hmm. right? And, and you got to unwind all of that because you really don't want a business to ever be dependent upon one person. So Agreed. we went through, Agreed. yeah, we went through this uh, transaction and then that led to, um, finding a what I would call a next level CEO, um, and uh, we brought her in, Irene Charmack, and she's incredible. She's very experienced in the you know logistics and fulfillment world. She just has a, a lot of tenacity. She's very commercial facing. She understands the value of relationships, which I was very big on. Um, and then I've now transitioned into a board uh, seat as an active board member on QuickBox, and then I think we'll get into a few other things, but just transitioning yeah. into some okay. other parts of next chapter of life. I mean, what a fast, I mean, scale up. I, I, wow. I mean, to grow that quickly, to bring on a PE firm that fast, and then transition into a next into another CEO in how many years? What was that? What, a total of how well, many? Well, it was, yeah, it was zero to 100 million in four and a half years. So it was, it was a rocket ship ride. Wow. Um, I mean, and yeah, then- that <laughs> and then 18 months later, transition a new CEO. And so, yeah, that's five and a five and a half, six years there span uh, where again, you know, we achieved in two wow. years what we thought we were going to in five. It just, mm -hmm. the timing just, again, was just perfect. And, and you know, I'd like to, thank you. And I'd like to think that we did a good job of servicing our clients, you know, because otherwise they wouldn't have, you know, came to us and been with us. Exactly. Uh, but the timing of just uh, the, the, the growth of e-commerce and um, the, the value proposition that we had, I think, um, really uh, played suit to, you know, where the market was headed. And yeah, it just happened a lot faster than we originally anticipated. 
Did you have to raise cash to get it started or you and your co-founders just bootstrapped it and no cash Ooh. until the PE firm? Came it was out? completely bootstrapped. In fact, you know, we originally, um, you know, had, had put together, um, you know, the business plan and it was a very conscious look at how do we want to build this company from, you know, a short term and, and a long term. And this was a, you know, I, I still remember this offsite meeting we had with the four other founders where we basically in a very spirited way debated our business strategy and the creation of it for, you know, a good day and a half in a boardroom where, mm. you know, mm. a couple of them wanted to be, you know, very technology driven and we're going to invest, you know, millions of dollars in technology. And, you know, we really came to this um uh, epiphany, if you will, inside the meeting where we thought, you know, there's only, you know, when you look at strategy, it's kind of triangulated between, you know, operational excellence and, and low price and then, you know, innovation. And so you, you have to pick one and you have to just excel at it and build your strategy around that. And you can support it with a second, but you can't be all three. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I find that small businesses, especially when they're starting up, they just skip that step which is very, very critical step is, is develop a clear and compelling strategy. In other words, how are you going to win, right? Because if you don't, I'd, I'd rather have a strategy that's wrong than not have a strategy at all. Because right. you don't have a game plan. How are you going to win? You know, how are you going to get people to believe in what you're doing? And um, how do you know what to execute against? And so, you know, we spent a day and a half developing that. And it really came down to just, not being very capital intensive, you know, we okay. just, we needed the building, right. The one you, you came into in Denver and we walked in mm -hmm. and I remember scratching my head thinking, how are we going to fill this? Thing? Right. Well, <laughs> you know, less than 12 months later, we were thinking what's going to be our second building uh, because it was filled very quickly. So, you know, just, it was, um, you know, it was, it was very deliberate in terms of not having to have capital to build the company. We even had a line of credit that we just never even tapped into. So, you know, it was, we also arranged our business model, Steve. Very importantly, part of our strategy was to be heavily cash flow positive. In other words, how we, you know, uh, developed terms with our suppliers versus mm -hmm. terms with our clients and how we had sort of cash to help kind of continue to fund the growth of the business. Because again, some of the things that entrepreneurs fall prey to is they don't realize that they want the growth, but they don't realize that with growth, you know, that eats cash for breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, and everything else, right? It, it, you, you need dry powder to get that growth to continue to accelerate. Yeah, totally. And uh, let me ask you this, did the PE firm knock on your door because they saw you as an opportunity and they hunted you down or you, because you were growing and going into those other states, you, you needed some cash. And so you went after them. How did that work? Uh, it was, it was more deliberate on our part. It was, um, okay. Okay. You know, we, we really felt that we had built the company, um, you know, to, to what we had originally envisioned. Mm -hmm. And we knew it was going to take next level capital, next I level see. leadership and, okay. and you know, sort of next level board and guidance to get it. You know, getting something from zero to one million is, is, is one jaunt. Zero to 10 is another. Zero yep. to 100. But that 100 to sort of that 250 million, it's just... It's next level. And all of us agreed that, you know, for us, the fun part was the zero to 100. Yeah. And we didn't have the, you know, I mean, at least I can speak for myself. 
you know, for me, the building part is the fun part. You mm-hmm. know, the next level, I think you can turn that over to somebody who's been there and done that before and, and can help do it a lot faster and probably more efficiently than I could. Was it tough giving up control? I mean, I'm assuming you guys give up control of the quote cap table, so to speak, and that you're, you know, you're not, uh, uh, you know, you don't have control of the board votes. I'm guessing at this point, the PE firm does, by the way, can you tell us who that is or is it private? Yeah, no, they're Pike street capital. They're up in Seattle. Okay. Um, good, good group of guys who have uh, a, a relatively okay. large fund. Um, and they like our space and uh, have some other investments in this space. Was that so there's a lot of good synergies there. Was that, was that um, tough for you emotionally no, to, I, to, I, to give up control? <laughs> I will say for me, no, because I've been through this before a couple of times. Okay. So okay. Uh, now the first time, if I was to go back to my first time, I would say it was very difficult because I thought I get to sell it, but I still get to call the shots. Well, no, you don't. You're not the owner anymore. <laughs> Somebody else calls the shots. You have a boss now. And being an entrepreneur my entire life, yeah. at least my entire professional life, um, that's a very difficult thing is to all of a sudden have mm. a boss. And so yes. uh, for, for this one, no, um, I knew what came along with it. Okay. You know, I knew that, you know, after you do a transaction, there's always that honeymoon period and then that wears off and then you get into the brass yeah. tax. And I mean, <laughs> but as long as you have a good partner, that mm-hmm. transition can be more palatable. Um, I've been on both sides. I've had really bad partners who afterwards said, Hey, remember all that stuff we talked about? We're not going to do it. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> and I thought, Oh my God, who did I, who did I go into business with? And then I, you know, like the, you know, the, these, um, gentlemen that we, you know, partnered with, you know, they, they've been very supportive of the growth of the business. And so it wasn't as, as difficult. I think maybe for some of the other founders, this was their first transaction. I think it was probably a little more difficult for, for them. But again, I can't speak for them, but I know that first time you go through it, it, it is, it is a little bit troubling to, to give up the reins and, and not be the one who has to, you know, who's, who's calling the shots, so to speak. Yeah, totally. So now you're still, you still have equity in the company and they're, they're going to, are they moving to flip it or you think they'll take it public and then there's another big payday for Steven and the, and the original founders. What do you think? Uh, so we, we certainly did retain some rollover equity. Uh, they, uh, have a pretty long time horizon. So if you look at your partners, and this is just something that took me time to learn is different levels of, 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 and ranges of capital sources mm-hmm. is that, that normally aligns with their um, objectives and time horizon. So you know, typical private equity firm could be three to five years. Some can be five to 10 years. They tend to take a longer approach in their time horizon. So it's not a quick, you know, excuse me, press the accelerator, make it mm-hmm. grow at all costs and then flip it. They tend to really try to maximize the full uh, benefits of the enterprise value and uh, spend time doing that and then potentially, um, you know, sell to maybe a larger, you know, strategic player or whatever that, that may look like. Um, I don't think, at least historically, I don't think they've taken any companies public. So I don't think that's, that's on the horizon. Okay. And what about uh, Stephen now? Are you semi-retired? Did you make enough cash on this deal to just kind of chill? Are you what's your, what's the what's next? What are you starting next? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I and I had I, I had to do, I I didn't have to, but I I did this uh, speech uh, lecture to to DU uh, University of Denver graduate class, um, and it was on the importance of entrepreneurship and just choosing a path that's more likely to be successful and 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 make you happy, which I think sometimes we forget that last part, which is, mm, you got that right. And be happy, you know? Um, 
And, you know, when I looked back at, you know, my goals and, and you know, I just look at entrepreneurship and I, I suggested, especially the young entrepreneurs, to first ask themselves the question, what do you want to be? You know, and, and, and that question is usually framed with, you know, do you want to be famous? Do you want to be wealthy? Um, you know, do you, do you want to be an operator or do you want to be legendary? And there's no wrong answer. It's just, what do you want to be? It's good to know the why behind where you're headed in a, in a very personal way. Um, and you can be, you know, one can lead to another. Um, but you, you usually need to pick a lane. Um, and there's good examples for all of them. I mean, you look at somebody, one of the greatest operators that we've probably ever known in our lifetime, you know, would be Warren Buffett. Now you might look at him and say, well, his goal was probably to be wealthy. My, I would argue his goal was to be a great operator at what he did. Mm. And he still does it today. He loves it. Now yes. he's extremely wealthy and he'll be legendary. And, you know, um, but my guess is he probably started it because he wanted to be an operator and stay an mm. operator at what he does. And he loves it. And, and so, so there's no wrong answer there. And then underneath that is, you know, what are your, what are your personal goals for this? And, and, right. and when I say right. that, I mean, you know, I, I'm a big believer in the, you know, the smart goals. And this is, this is the one place though, where I give, I'd say you get a hall pass here because, because it's so personal. It's whatever you want it to be, whatever you want it to be, not what your parents wanted for you, not what your kids might want for you, but what do you want it to be? Right. So when I look back at these goals I had as a very early entrepreneur, you know, it was, um, you know, it was always to love what I do, right. To just to wake up every day and feel like I'm really enthusiastic about what I'm doing. That doesn't mean there's not there's not hard days where you just like, oh, you know, I just want this day to end and stressful. But it just means, relatively speaking, when you wake up on Monday, you're not dreading the week. You're enthusiastic about what's being presented to you, whether they're opportunities or problems that you can turn into opportunities, which I call opportunities, by the way. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's just, do you love what you do? Because the day you stop really, truly loving what you do, it just, you need to, you need to stop doing that. Um, or find a different way to do it or find different people to be around you or whatever it may be that is keeping you from loving what you do. And also as cheesy as it sounds, I truly am a big believer that if you do love what you are, are, are doing, it doesn't feel like work. It, it is, you just, you just get into it and you love it and you enjoy yep. it. And, and, uh, and then the second thing was, I always had this number in my head and I don't know where it came from, but it was always to just build a hundred million dollar company. And, and, you know, I came close a couple of times, but I didn't get it. And then I finally got it with this last one. And it just felt like this huge accomplishment was like, <laughs> that's great. I did it, you know, not a, not a billion dollar unicorn. It wasn't. And again, it's personal. It's what you want it to be. Right. And then it was, you know, to have an, you know, have an exit or exits or whatever to create, you know, uh, freedom to have opportunities to do what I choose to do with my time. Um, and, you know, thankfully, you know, through my professional career, I've been able to achieve those. But again, it's also something that's very, you know, important to that exercise and critical is that you 
and each person understands that those goals are yours and they're personal. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be time stamped. They don't need to be, you know, action oriented. It doesn't need to have all the rules. It just needs to be, what do you, what do you want to try to achieve? Cause it's your measuring stick. Everybody has a different, it, mm-hmm. it can't just be, you know, one thing. I think it sometimes encompasses several things. So, you know, setting out to do that, it, it, you know, and putting myself in that position, it's now given me the opportunity to one, just, just, I needed to take a break. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it'd been, it'd been, it'd been, you know, a good solid 25 years of go, go, go of, of working around the clock. And, you know, mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur and a business owner, um, it's not a nine to five when you, you know, leave the four walls or, you know, wherever people are working now as an entrepreneur and a business owner, it goes with you. It's on your shoulders. It's in your head. It goes to the dinner table with you. It goes to bed with you. You dream about it. You wake up to it. It doesn't go away. And and I think sometimes uh, people who don't own their own business, you know, fail to realize that how stressful that can be, you know, and how you, how you work with it from a positive stress or a negative stress is, is critically important. And through, you know, all those years of being an operator. And then with this last business, the growth was very rapid. And then, you know, you throw COVID in there, which then for us, Steve was a double-edged sword. It was on one side, you know, our business volume of our clients four X, like literally overnight. When you remember when March 13th, when that in-home shelter went in place, it was like March 14th. It was like, you don't have 30,000 orders today to process. You have 120,000. It was like, (laughs) boom. And, so how do you do that? I mean, we were just barely keeping the wheels on the bus. We were working 365 days, 24 hours a day, around the mm. clock. Mm. And I, I just, I really, it, we were blessed by that. But again, do keep in mind, we just got lucky. Well, Purely lucky. Well. We were, no, 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 hold on. We were on the right side of the coin with, for the businesses that it affected positively. Because gotcha. I know plenty of people who are on the other side of the coin, you know, neighbors included who had to sell their house because mm. their biz- they went out of business, right? And, and mm. so when people would ask me during COVID, how's your business doing? I hated answering that question I got because you. I almost yeah. felt guilty that we just got lucky on the right side of the coin. It landed mm. on our side. Mm-hmm. And- we were able to take advantage of it. So I really played it down. But through that process, though, of COVID, the wear and tear, um, it really played a toll <laughs> on my health. And I, I, I aching it to, um, I always think of, um, you know, Steve, when you, when you look at a, um, a president, you know, when they get elected and they just like, think of like Obama, they look young and chipper going into the White House. And then four <laughs> years later, they look like they're 20 years older. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I felt like. Um, was I just felt like, oh dear God, like this, the toll of this has been yes. just, and, and I know a lot of people felt this, so I'm not, I'm not complaining or making myself try to feel special here. Just, I had to pay attention to what it was doing to me because it was, uh, turning me into somebody I didn't like. It was, uh, mm-hmm. things were happening mentally that I, I had never had before. And I, I certainly felt like I couldn't control, um, and, uh, I felt, uh, just, an overwhelming amount of anxiety and, 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 and really depression from it. And I know that's hard when you think of, well, wait, things are going well. What, how, how does that happen? And, and I'm the eternal optimist. So for me to even accept this was extremely difficult. Mm. And a big part of my decision 
in the end to, to, to really create some finality to me transitioning out was I needed to take care of myself. Yeah. I just, I desperately needed to take, I, I, one, I didn't, I, you know, I'm not one to throw in the towel, see, but I, I didn't know if I was going to make it mentally through just much longer. Um, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I needed some time to take care of myself because if I, I've always had this philosophy of, if I can't take care of myself, I can't take care of anything or anyone else around me. That's right. That's and, right. Um, so what about your that. family? What about your family? Do you have family? Are you married kids? What's yeah. Your- yeah. So yeah, I've got a beautiful family. We, we, you know, wonderful wife who I, I love dearly and is, and is just a big part of, um, you know, my life and, and hopefully I'm hers. And, uh, we've, we've got together, we've got six beautiful kids. So we've got, wow. you know, age ranges from, you know, 30, just got married, going to have our first grandbaby down to, you know, a six, one that just turned 16 this week um, and uh, or last week and is going to be driving. So, you know, there was, you know, just making sure that they were okay too. I mean, right. we watched, yes. we watched, um, you know, one of our daughters uh, not be able to have a, her wedding that was scheduled, right? We watched one of our daughters lose her senior year because no prom, no graduation, you know, Ooh. and making sure they were okay, right? And just like everyone else going through this in their own way, I think what it what it caused a lot of us to do was really become more uh, introspective in terms of our own lives. Just how do I take care of myself through this so that I can take care of my family and then I can take care of other things, which included the business. But mm-hmm. the business wasn't number one. It was me and then my family and then the other things. And so that was a huge transitional period for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then stepping away was, was, was a, was a bit of a relief because it gave me time to focus on me and my family, which we did. Um, and then I've started to slowly, um, like you said, just trying to produce some content, you know, because now my philosophy has changed to, this is my opportunity to give back. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and yep. so in a very, very small way, in a very mm-hmm. trite way, I would say is just some of my content is just getting some of the wisdom out of my head, um, doing some, uh, um, you know, some, some, I'll call it guidance consulting. It's just kind of helping great. some people through their careers. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, being a board member and on some other uh, boards as you're well. You're on some other board. You're on some other yeah. boards. So that ke- that keeps you busy. Okay. Are you gonna? Yeah, are, do you want to start something else, or are you gonna wait 12 months and just you're gonna take the rest yeah, of this year I, off and then see? Or <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna be an operator again. Um, that that's not gonna happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I do. You know, I I went back to school to get my master's. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, cool. So working on that now. The means to the end there. One is I've always been a student of life and a student of business. And, you know, I, I kind of feared Steve when I w- walked back in there, I was like, well, what am I going to learn? I feel like I've kind of done a lot, I, yeah. but, but yeah, I, start, I will say, I, I started the company took it to hundred million. I'm not sure what, <laughs> what you guys can teach me, but okay. But, I'll but come I, to am, class. I am, I will tell you with a straight face, I am learning something new every day when I step foot in that class, because really? the world is changing rapidly. DU does a great job of progressively staying at the Ooh. forefront of what management and leadership and business looks like and acts like, and, and I'm learning something. And, and, um, and to be honest with you, I think 
maybe I wasn't paying as much attention when I was in undergrad school as I should have been and probably (laughs) just let a few things slide by. (laughs) Um, But also I think it has more context now. So when we're going through it, I can think to myself, okay, I, I know this, I've been through that, but learning new things at the same time. But my means to the end here really is I want to, I'm going to be teaching at the university level. So uh, I'll be, Okay. I'll be an adjunct professor. Uh, they already started me on that track at DU. So I will be teaching in their entrepreneurial studies program. And, and again, just my way of, there's so, you know, when I was, you know, young budding entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, you know, I, I, I loved to learn, right? Um, I knew I was never the smartest guy in the room or around. And so it was, I had this incestual need to read a lot because I felt mm. like I could sort of outlearn in some ways um, others. I also had this just, I, I could, I felt like I could outwork other people if I worked harder and around the clock, you know, those that were maybe smarter, but, but one of the critical parts of um, um, just my, my, my business maturation was, was mentorship. Just, I had some great mentors. I mean, some, you know, they were older individuals who just, Steve, they had so much wisdom in their head and I just, and I just knew it. And I just wanted to extract it because it was real life experience. And there's nothing that's as, as, as important as that. And so, you know, I got a lot out of mentors. I still do. I still have a CEO coach. I go meet him for lunch and we're, we're now friends when we don't, I don't pay him, but we, we, you know, I had a coach, you know, you look at Tom Brady, he had a coach till, you know, all the way through his 22 years. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. the best get better because they still have coaches. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I kept my CEO coach and, and we we're, we're friends and, and we, That's we great. you know, we went and had lunch the other day, but I still, Oh, sorry. My cat just jumped That's up. All right, yeah, don't worry. yeah. It's all good. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, I still learn things and, uh, you know, I still go to lunch with a little bit of an agenda of, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of having this, trouble with this thing, you know, and, and can you kind of walk me through some of your wisdom? And uh, so I think teaching will allow me that opportunity to just take some of that wisdom here and give it back. To I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love it. So it sounds like you'll do some teaching. You might do some investing, but you're not going to be the operator. You're going to set on a few boards, maybe something like, does that sound right? That that's, that's. The yeah. Future. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I've wanted to never say never. Right. So, you know, uh, in, in looking at what's out there and, and seeing what's going on. But right now I'm just really, uh, very content, um, and fulfilled with what I'm doing and, and which is probably doesn't seem like much, but, uh, between that and, and the, you know, the, a lot of personal stuff uh, that I've been working on, it, it has certainly filled my days, but I think as I start to move forward, um, you know, I'll find more, a few more things to, is to your occupy wife, my uh, mind. Is your wife at home or just what does she do? Uh, she works. Um, she's been with her company for, I think, 22, 23 years. Okay. Um, they're, they're based in Texas, but she's, she works remote. Oh, uh, so, so you guys are to, trapped. You guys are trapped in the house together. Is she like, Hey, get the hell yeah, out of here. You're getting, you're yeah. We have, we have two separate offices. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we have to shut the doors in between us because we both talk so, so loud during the day, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, like, I'm a pacer. I typically, when I get on conference calls or conference meetings, I put my, my 
AirPods in, but I, I like to walk, like walk I around the house or walk outside. Uh, but I love to walk and talk. It's hard for me to just kind of sit in one place and mm, do my mm. thing all day. But because, uh, um, you know, my, my phone has been one of my greatest assets and weapons and businesses, just lots of conversations on the phone. You were, you're a native to Colorado, aren't you? You grew up here. Pretty close. I was, uh, was actually born. My dad was in the Marines in the military. So I was born in Camp Lejeune okay. um, in North Carolina on a military base. And then we moved all over until we settled in Colorado when I was five. Okay. Um, and right. then uh, pretty much. Yeah. So, our, so yeah, yeah. But, but you know, natives, you are not allowed to say you're native <laughs> unless you are a true native, but I'm as close as you can get. Yeah. Uh, what about your wife? Uh, Texan through and through. It's, oh, it's oh, all, did you meet yeah. her at CU or where'd you guys meet? Uh, we, we both were on, uh, a business trip. We met, um, actually in another state through some mutual friends. Um, and, uh, you know, we just kind of became friends first and then, you know, developed our relationship, but it was a long distance relationship. So, you know, it was a bit of a challenge there. And, you know, for me, I had the business here and it was, I, I really, remote working just wasn't really as much of a thing as it certainly is now. So we made the decision, you know, and she, you know, was gracious enough to, to move from Texas to Colorado. Uh, sound, sounds like a blended family. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you, you said you had a 30 year old. So I'm, I'm guessing there, there were some kids and marriages in there before. Yes. So we, yeah, we both, um, you know, had, had failed at our prior marriages. And, and I think, you know, just like anything in life, you learn a great deal from the failures. You know, mm. it's hard to learn from your successes. You do, but you just don't mm. see it as wisely as you do when you fail. Mm. And so, you know, I think we were able to take that and really use that to 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 benefit us in, in a relationship and, uh, yes. you know, really structure things a little differently. And, and, you know, the challenge, of course, with Blended is is the kids and, you know, the acceptance of one another, the acceptance of you know, new parents acceptance of a new blended family. And that's certainly, you know, not without its challenges and difficult to, to really, um, you know, work your way through that. And, but we've done an incredible job of, of just being partners through this and, and making sure that we're, you know, aligned and, and that, you know, we're, we're, we're parenting our kids, you know, to be the best people that they possibly can. And, you know, and, and you know how, kids are it's just they they're kind of wired to be the way they're going to be and as parents you you think you got to control everything but you really can't and yeah you really you can't. know nature's <laughs> going to have its way with them and and you're going to nurture them as much as possible and guide them to be good people and have good hearts and for us you know part of that was having christ in their heart and and just understanding you know how to be a good person with kindness and compassion and um and making as best choices as they're going to make and and knowing that we just can't control every move. Um, yeah, and that's I think, key. you know, yep. from what we've seen and in, in our kids, we, we've done a, I would have to say a pretty incredible job. I mean, they're turning out to be great people and, and uh, good human beings. And, you know, the people that, uh, you know, we have one that just got married and another one that just got engaged last week. And that's great. he came over and asked for her hand in marriage. And he's just, that's the way he was raised. And we thought it was great. And we couldn't have that's asked cool. for a better uh, kid. So we, you know, we kind of see the, you know, how it's progressing and, and we, we certainly couldn't be happier for, for, for them and 
hopefully some small part of that was the way in which we parented them. You know, you took on two of the most challenging things that you can do as a human being. Number one, be an entrepreneur. And number two, go through a divorce and then get remarried with a blended family and be a stepfather. I mean, yeah, you, those are those are not easy things. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I you know, yes, uh, I would agree. And 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 you know, I think um I think you know, I could be wrong and you know, divorce is one of those things that you know, you 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 know, I don't think anybody goes into a marriage with like a plan B, right? You don't you don't just assume right, right. It, it's going to fail. And so when it does, it, it's especially for men, I found, you know, in, in, in talking through that, it, 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 is, it feels like a great failure. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's difficult to accept. And, and, you know, during that time, what it also did uh, was uh, it really took my eye off the ball in running the business. And it, it just because emotionally, you're just you're drained. It's, it's, it's excruciating. Um, and, you know, my business went through a very hard time. And, and I, frankly, I will never forget the conversation, you know, I had, uh, my bank came in and um, there's a, a banker up in Boulder. And I, I won't say his name because I, I think some of your listeners may know him. And uh, yeah. he, he's, he's a pretty popular guy around Colorado. He sat across the table from me and he said, Stephen, you know, banks don't like to be equity partners and you've kind of made us an equity partner. In other words, you, you've lost so much money that <laughs> like you're, you're in trouble. Um, we're going to have to call your line of credit. Oof. And our line of credit at the time was about two and a half million. Well, it wasn't about, it was, it was fully maxed. And I had no idea. And he said, you got a week to take care of this. And um, I mean, Steve, I, I, you know, I'm not one to throw in the towel, but I will tell you, I watched my fla- my life just sort of flash before my eyes in that moment and thinking, how am I going to do this? And I, you know, the, the next day I went to, I had a, a CEO group that I belonged to. Um, they, they're called Vistage and, and they have yes. CEO mm-hmm. peer groups and you probably mm-hmm. heard of them. Yep. Um, great group that I had, it was about 13 CEOs. Um, and I went in there, we had this morning check-in, right? You went around the room, did a quick check-in. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? And they got to me and how you doing? I'm doing good. We went to move to the next guy and our, our, our moderator, Mickey Fain, he said, uh, Stephen, uh, hold on a second. You're not good. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he, he, he could feel it and see it on me. And he's like, you're not good. What's going on? And boy, oh boy, I had a full on just breakdown. I just, I just lost it. You know, I was just crying mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. I thought this is it. Like I'm, you know, I'm, my bank line's been called. I'm going to have to file bankruptcy. I'm probably personally going to have to file bankruptcy. I'm going through a divorce. Like how much worse could this all be? And you already, by the way, can I just ask from a, from a specific perspective, were you already out of the house? Were you like living in a little apartment away from your kids? Like that kind of painful stuff? uh, Yeah. yeah. I mean, interesting. You should ask that. I was actually living in my office. Um, So when my kids would stay with me, I'd, I'd rent a, a hotel for a day or two and then they would stay with me at a nearby. They thought it was a blast. They still think that was some of the most fun times they had was sleepover in dad's office. Um, but, uh, but um, oh, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was to say, you know, it, it was tough and it was really, really tough. And, um, you know, I, you know, I'll never forget that the person next to me, you know, I had my head down in my arm. I just was, I didn't want to pick my head up. I was just crying. And the yeah. guy next to me, we, we kind of went through a lot of, you know, was like question and answering and it was a very good support group in there and 
uh, Greg, his name is Greg Greenwood, and he was sitting next to me, and he put his hand on my back, and he slid this little people, piece of paper across, and he said, Stephen, I want you to call this guy. Um, I was exactly where you were five years ago, and he helped me get through it, and I think he can do the same thing for you. And mm. I remember grabbing that piece of paper, and I didn't feel like a whole lot of relief from that. It was just sort of like, huh, well, that was nice of him. And, you know, if I trust Greg. Um, so we went through our session that day. They were, they were once a month, all day session. Um, I, I was on my way home. I got home and, um, or rather to the office, um, walking uh, up and I thought, you know what, I'm going to call this guy. So I called him. Um, his name is Ter Terry Schreier. He actually resides up in Boulder. Okay. Um, and he said, well, he said, well, why don't you come up to my office tomorrow and let's talk about it. So I thought, okay, what do I have to lose? And, you know, there's a lot at stake here. I certainly, you know, uh, need to hear this guy out. So we, we spent a couple hours talking, uh, mostly him asking me questions. And he looked at me and he said, Stephen, you're not going to file bankruptcy. You have a great business and you're a great leader. You just need to change a few things in your company. And we're actually going to go raise your capital, grow your business. Mm. And, I mean, you want to talk about like a life altering point in, in, in the trajectory of where you're headed. That one moment um, changed everything because wow. uh, he, mm. he did, he came in, he helped me make some very tough decisions. Um, we, we turned our receivables. We had really, uh, we had some pretty large customers like Walmart and GNC and which customer, Rite which, Aid. which company was this? Can you, can so you th share th that? this, this was in the very early days of, of Isatory, um, okay. brand. And we had some pretty big customers at the time. Okay. Okay. Um, and so we, we were able to take those receivables and factor them where they pay you in advance, take a pretty large yes. chunk out of it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. much like what I would think heroin would be like it was extremely hard to get off of once you get on it because it just was like you needed that influx of cash all the time and they gave it to you um but in a very they also way. they also micromanaged it and called and said why'd you order toilet paper this week stuff like that oh uh, it was but but the the point being here is he 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 helped us get through that he helped us he helped us do a workout with the loan you know so it okay. wasn't just an immediate Great. payback it was a it was a payback plan through installments because the, um, the bank's calling you every week checking in too. Oh, they 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 wanted to yeah they wanted to basically and I really didn't have a lot of assets. It wasn't worth them seizing my inventory. They felt okay. like they could sell my inventory. Okay. okay. Um. So we worked through it. Um. Well, what was we, the line? Of, also, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. What was the line of credit on if there was no inventory? What they what, what was the lien against? Well, no, it was we had inventory, but it wasn't inventory they could necessarily sell. It was okay, okay. finished good okay. label okay. product inventory. Okay, okay. A bank could take it, but they're going to get you okay. know, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So okay. so we you know we and then at the same time we we actually had great excuse me great timing on a new product launch we had just uh, put together. Okay. Um. We put a minimal budget behind it, but it just took off. Um, and we ended up building the company very successfully uh, over the next 18 months. And then uh, we ended up putting a, a plan together to go raise capital. And we ended up taking the company public. So in 2012, how about how about we took that? the company public. I know it just went from That's completely great. insolvent to you know, raising, uh, you know, an ungodly amount of money by going public, uh, to, to, to really help propel the company. And, and, you know, it's just wow. in those, it's in those moments, right. Where, you know, and I always tell my kids, 
you never know what's going to happen from a relationship, from a person you meet. You just right. never know. That's right. And, you know, I, I in that same CEO group, um, you know, I, I stayed in that group for a while because they were just, it was a great group, very supportive. And, and oftentimes, and you know this, see, when you're at the top and you're an entrepreneur and you're a business owner, you don't get a lot of attaboys. You don't get a lot of peers to hang around with and go, no. good job. No. I mean, you're the one no. giving the good jobs, but that's right. you need that. It's important. <laughs> and that CEO group was very, very important for me. And we went off site one time in a retreat and we did this great exercise where um, we had to go off on our own and they gave us like these large sheets of like a, like a graphing paper, if you will. So you had this, this Y and this X axis and on the X axis was just time, just whatever you wanted the time to be as far back as you could think to, to now. And mm. then the, the, the Y axis was um, the highs and lows in your life, whatever scale you wanted, whatever okay. your low was, whatever your high was. And you had to go back through time and you had to plot your lowest points and your highest points in life. And just briefly, just write like, what was it? Okay. Right? And then you had to come back into class in the, in the, in the team and you had to just walk everybody through your graph. And it, and it was, it was, there was a lot of crying that went on in that room. Oh, there was I a bet. lot of people reliving some, some very mm -hmm. tragic moments and some great, you know, like a, a gentleman, you know, his wife died of cancer and it was an extremely low point in his life. So there was, there was a lot to, uh, to take in in this, but when, what I found most interesting about this exercise, and I, I would encourage anyone to do this exercise is when you step back from your graph, what you saw and what I saw in everybody's graphs were three things. One, after every low point came a high point. After yes. every low point came a high point. And the second thing that was most interesting was the high points always tended to get higher uh -huh. in whatever, whatever was happening in life chronologically. Okay. okay. And then the third thing was, and I think we've come to know this, the older we get, we realize this life doesn't work in a linear line. Like we think it does. No. When we get out of college, we're like, <laughs> I'm going this direction. Right. And what uh -huh. we learn is it just goes like this, yes. but, but, but if you step back, what you saw was if you put a line through it, it would go like this. Hmm. Even hmm. though it had these lows and highs, it was moving in an upward direction. As long and as you're I, hustling, as long as you're hustling. Yeah. 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 And you I thought hustle. it was, yes, correct. And, 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 and there's a little bit of luck in there at times. I, I, I think there's just, you know, certainly you may have had the opportunity, you're in the right place, but a little bit of luck, but also um, you're willing to put in the work and, I just, I loved that exercise because I think when you just step back and everybody stepped back and looked at it, it felt, I think for the most part, very gratifying. Yes. It was like, look at my life. It's, it's okay. Like when you put it all in perspective, it's been a, it's been a great journey so far. And if you, um, if you could call your uh, 21 year old self coming out of CU, you could probably write a book for him, right? But if you could tell him a couple of things really quickly on a, on a quick, quick five-minute phone call, what would you say to him? Oh, boy. Um, I think just what I said, it's not linear. Trust me, it's not going to be linear. There's going to be lots of, lots of highs that you're going to enjoy, and there's going to be lows along the way that you're not going to enjoy, but you're going to learn a lot from those lows. Um, that's certainly where I've learned the most, uh, being down – you know, 
um, is, is where you really do learn what you're made of. You yes. really do learn who your friends are and aren't. Um, the ones that stick around and support you versus the ones that were only there because things were going well. Um, and that I think is very interesting and eye-opening in of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say as well that um, it, it would, you know, behoove me not to say, you know, just keep doing what you love no matter what. You know, you're, you're going to be confronted with things that, um, you know, challenge that notion that you have to love what you do. But, you you know, and when I say love, it's it's finding happiness and fulfillment within what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it, I, and, I, and I know this sounds funny, but the last thing is stay out of jail. Um, <laughs> have you ever you been know, arrested, by the way? I, ever, ever I have arrested? once. I was okay. young. Uh, I was a teenager. I did something really stupid. And, and I think the lesson was you're going to spend the night in jail to learn that you just can't do these things. <laughs> and um, and it, un- unfortunately, it was on my birthday. It was a horrible way to spend my birthday, but uh, <laughs> never been back since. Now, but there's there's very there's something very interesting inside there because um, there's a there's a professor at Harvard that I follow. I think I've watched every one of his class lectures, and 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 it's Clay Christensen, and he's an incredible business strategist from Harvard. And mm-hmm. he always asks his students on the last day of class, you know, he says, you know, how do you find enduring relationships um, that that you know with your, your family? How do you do what matters? And, and how are you going to stay out of jail? And I, I always thought that was very interesting thing for someone to say, but the reality is, um, you know, if you don't understand your core values and you don't have a set of ethics that you run by in life, it's very easy when you are confronted in business and you will be with something that could turn in the wrong direction and very easily land you in jail. If you don't have those core values that you live by and you don't have some ethos around your ethics, it's very, very easy to make that decision because it's short-sighted. It's a way to make Mm. some quick profit. It doesn't Mm. seem that bad. I'm not sure if I'll get caught. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're sitting in front of the Department of Justice where they've said, nope, (laughs) You can't do that. Um, and you're going to go to jail for it. You know, and I had a very good friend in the supplement industry who's now, um, you know, facing 54 months in prison and he's got a young family. And it's because he made a very bad decision in business um, to sell supplements that weren't supplements. Um, they were drugs masquerading as supplements and he could make a lot of money. And he did. And he was flying private jets and living the life, but it caught up to him. And, you know, and I know it sounds a little funny to say that, but I think the reality is, and I think at the core of that, what that means is, you know, understand your, your ethos around ethics and, and, mm. and establish your core values very early on because everything else in life can change your, your direction, your strategy, your goals, your mission, but your values should never change. You cannot compromise those and right. you, you need good, to have those. Advice. And I think it took me a long time to establish what my values really, really were. And they change a little bit too, as you get older and you learn more, right? It, it does kind of pivot just a little bit. Your core purpose in life, uh, it, 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 it's a little fluid as you move along and you learn more, right? So, yeah, so, absolutely. so moving forward now, you want to share, you want to give back, you want to teach, you want to help people uh, set on some boards. 
Um, and that's also helping, by the way. I'm guessing some of them are voluntary. Maybe some of them are paid. Yep. But you're, you're basically trying to make sure you give back now as much as possible. But I know you're still young enough because you're a couple of years younger than me, I think, two or three years younger than me. So you still, you still probably that, that bug might be in there. You're going you're gonna to have an idea. You're going you're gonna to be having coffee with a friend. They're going to be like, oh, we should start this business. And you're going to be tempted to. And then your wife's going to be like, <laughs> I knew it. I, I think keeping my brain engaged is key, right? Like I love these conversations, see, because they keep my brain engaged. That's important. I don't want to lose that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also giving back engages my brain because I'm able to access things that I've learned through life experiences. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I leave it open um, okay. to the universe. And right now I don't have, you know, I'm very good at stating my intentions and writing things out. And in fact, it's, it's actually kind of scary because I, before I started QuickBox, I wrote out what my next business was going to be before I even huh. knew what it was, by really? the way. Wow. I wrote okay. it out, what, what it was going to be comprised of. Um, and uh, I hung that on the wall in my, my, my wife's office. And it's, it's, you know, we, we look at it and just in awe because it's like, you know, everything except one piece. Um, it's pretty good. Really came to light. And so I'm a big believer in stating your intentions. And right now, I truly haven't stated any intentions around okay. um, business, if you will. Um, and so I don't expect anything to come, um, you know, but who knows? I mean, who knows if I can get the next two kids that are going to start the next Google at DU to present me with a business idea when I'm teaching and say, <laughs> you help us with this. Eh, you never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, I'm, but I'm okay. I'm fine. I have enough. I don't need more. I'm not, um, I I'm okay. I don't, I also am not driven by, I need more. It's, it's, uh, I want to continue to find more fulfillment and that's yeah. what's most important for me right now. Congratulations on a wonderful career, my friend. Excellent job at QuickBox, and I wish you the best on the teaching. I wouldn't, I, it'd be awesome to just pop into a class that you were teaching and just listen in. So, congrats on everything, my friend. Really appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast. I, I thank you, Steve. And again, I appreciate all the content you put out, it's of great value, and I appreciate the services you've provided for us as well as a company through Rider Flex. So, thank you for the opportunity of being on here today.